All right, we've been talking about Malachi and why is God so mad. This is um, the last Sunday that we're going to be dealing with why is God so mad in the book of Malachi. Not not the book of Malachi. We'll actually continue that next week for one Sunday as we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament because Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament and not only that, after the book of Malachi, there was a 400-year silence before Jesus came on the scene. So it's a natural transition for us to go from Malachi to the birth of Jesus as we walk in to Christmas. And so we're, we're very excited to do that. And um, it was clear in the book of Malachi as we've been going through that God was pretty, pretty upset. God was pretty mad at some different things that the Israeli people were doing. And so we've talked about how God is mad at impurity. I believe that was uh, three times ago. Uh, four, because that was Joel preached last week, right? And then uh, before, after that, we talked about how God was mad because people were violating his covenant. And then the last thing was that we uh, did the time before last was God was mad because people, there was a lot of false teaching going on. And God was really upset about that. One of the themes of the series, though, has been this. Jesus didn't come to make sinning okay with God. He didn't. What he came for is to make sinners okay with God. Does that make sense? You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that dead spirit that was inside of us becomes alive. We're reconnected with God. And we go from being a sinner, that the Bible says, to a saint. See, we put, we put Jesus on, the Bible says. We put on his righteousness. And when we do that, all of the stuff that we've done, all the places we've been, can't be seen anymore. Okay, Jesus took it all for us. That's the good news. And that's some of the message that we've been talking about. It's due over time. Jesus loves you so much that he gave it all up so that you could have an amazing, awesome life. Today we're going to look at one of the things that God's mad at. And actually the last thing. And it says that in Malachi that God is mad at being robbed. God is, was upset because the people were jacking his stuff. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, come on. Ha. Um, okay, so, thanks for getting me off track. <coughs> Years ago, a long time ago, in a land far, far away, no, long time ago, um, I graduated from, from college. When I was going to college, my wife worked as a nurse, so she was in her professional field, and and, and I wasn't yet. I was just a college student. So we only really had half an income as, <laughs> um, as I was in college. You know, I worked full-time, too, doing construction and stuff. But it's not like when you're in your professional field. I agreed to take a job when I graduated from, from uh, college in Wichita, Kansas. Um, I don't know why, but I did. Um, I, you know, we were only there, what, four months? And I got so tired of looking at Iowa. God. So anyway, we're down there and, and living in Wichita, Kansas. Now, how many people have heard these cars go by? You know, they got these mufflers that just whine real loud and, and, and stuff. And, and the sub, I mean, they're driving on the road over there and your whole house is shaking because their sub is just, you know, boom, 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 right? That's all you can hear. You can't hear any music. You can just hear the sub. Well, I want to tell you this morning that I'm totally cool with that. I'm totally down with that. And if, if, uh, if you're young or old in here and you like that, come on. <laughs> so, woo. 
I used to have a 75 Camaro. My mom used to give me a hard time because I had the sub rolling in my Camaro when I was young too. And it's important that the sub continues. Let the sub be free. And so we were moving from a small house into a bigger house that we bought in Wichita, Kansas. And of course, when you have a bigger house, you need bigger subs. So we decided that uh, it was time for us to, well, my wife wanted a new stereo. I'm kidding. (laughs) She saw the light eventually. Um, So we decided it was time to buy a new stereo so I could, you know, we got to fill the house up with some sub. Come on now. And so anyway, we go out, we buy this new stereo, this bigger stereo, and and it rocked pretty good, i got to admit. The neighbors felt it well. Um, So we decided to take our old stereo and to sell it. Put it in the paper, and a couple came, and and, uh, um, they were happy to see it, and we were happy that they saw it, and they were happy to write a check for it, and we were happy that they would write a check for it. And so we took the check, and away they went with the stereo. Well, a couple days later, we found out that that sucker was as rubber as it gets. I mean, that thing just bounced. And so <laughs> we reported it, and it turns out that this couple had been going around, they got a hold of this checkbook, they were writing checks all over town and, and getting all sorts of stuff. These people stole my stereo. Or that was my wife's stereo after we got the new one. Stole the stereo. I remember being angry. I remember being upset and frustrated. How could these people do this? Why do people rob others? That's the question. When you're a kid, you steal because mom and dad aren't giving you something that you want, oftentimes. You know, the cookie jar's over there. All of a sudden, a cookie is missing from the cookie jar. And little Tommy or little Johnny or Susie or whatever has got chocolate all over their face and crumbs on their clothes, and they have no idea where that cookie went. (laughs) Yeah, the brother did it. (laughs) Grown-ups still, too, though. And they still for a lot of reasons. Sometimes people are just desperate. Sometimes people are poor. Sometimes people are hungry. Sometimes people have needs that need to be fulfilled. Some people get addicted to the thrill of stealing. Can I get away with it? You know, and they're in the middle of you know, getting caught and stuff. They, they get a, a high out of that. Some people steal because it's easier than working. Some people are just greedy for more and, and they don't respect other people. If you have your note cards, I'm finally getting there. Okay, the bottom line is this. People steal because they value themselves more than others. I want to say that again. People steal because they value themselves more than others. When we were in Mexico, if we would have went into a place like Potom, where they lived in, in, in mud huts and things were pretty rough in the conditions, and we were just kind of appalled that we had to be there, didn't want to touch anything. And, and you know, they, they made us fresh tamales, which were really good. And we didn't want to eat the tamales. And, you know, and we were just didn't have time for this place, just wanted to get back to the comforts of, of the ranchito. Um, I don't believe that people would have got saved. I don't believe that people would have got healed. I don't believe that that little boy who was demon-possessed would have got set free. But because 
we decided and we chose not to look at ourselves, but to look at their needs, to have compassion on them, and to desire to see them get to a better place in life through Jesus Christ. God's power fell. It's important. We can't look inward. We've got to look outward. The title for today's message is, God is mad at being robbed. Does it surprise you that God says he's been robbed? Is anybody surprised by that? We're going to be taking a look at the passage of Malachi chapter 3. But before we do that, I want to step in and, and, and look at this Jesus and Pharisee interaction that happened in Luke chapter 12. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. God, we just pray, pray, Lord, that every heart is open and ready to receive all that you have for each one of us this morning, God. Lord, we know that a word from you can change a life forever. And God, we just give this service to you. We give, Lord, our hearts over to you. And we thank you, Lord, for great testimonies of what people are going to have after hearing your word. If you have your Bibles, open them up into Luke chapter 11. Maybe you have a phone and you need to do a couple clicks. Or maybe you have the paper Bible and you want to open that up. Or maybe you got an iPad like me up here. But Luke chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 37. And I want to, want to give you a, a moment to get there. One of the things that, that, uh, that happened when, when we were in Mexico that I thought, I thought was, uh, was powerful that impacted me personally. We went to a place, um, I don't know if it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night maybe. Um, anyway, it was a church and we went, we went to the, there in the evening. And we could tell when we drove up to this place that there was a lot of darkness there. There was a, um, a lot of hurting there. And um, I had found out, or I had about a half an hour to prepare my sermon before I was going to preach that night. And just kind of prayed and, and let God bring that sermon. And, and I was preaching along. And all of a sudden, I stopped. And I looked at the pastor. And I said, Pastor, you need to go after the drug dealer in this area. You need to go after him and get him saved. Because when he gets saved... This whole area is going to get saved. You remember that, Susan? This whole area is going to get saved. And I spoke a couple more things to him in the middle of the sermon. just kind of interrupted everything. And I found out afterwards, Juan had told me afterwards, which, you know, some stuff that we didn't know. It turns out that there was a head drug dealer in that area who had died. And people were worshiping this guy. And there was a new drug dealer in charge. And this drug dealer was using this stuff. And that... That drug dealer, if he would get saved, all those people below him stuff would come to Jesus. I didn't know that. Our team didn't know that. We found out afterwards. Art and Brenda, Brenda came up afterwards and said, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. It's just one of the more cool, you know, the so many cool things that God did down there. Are you there yet? Luke, I'm going to keep rambling until you guys get there. Luke chapter 11, verse 37. <clears throat> Here we go. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing a hand-washing ceremony required by the Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy. Now here Jesus was contrasting between the external appearances of people and the internal reality that they had in their hearts. Often our, our, our outward appearance doesn't match where our hearts have. 
And I know that I can say that for myself. I can't, I can't think of how many times, especially years ago, I would come to church and would look so, so wonderful and everything, or at least I think I did, maybe not. Um, I guess that's a matter of opinion, right? Um, but inside, you know, God just wasn't, wasn't on my mind. But I had the appearance outside that, man, just really going to rock with God today and all that kind of stuff. And I remember, you know, thinking back on that going, God darn. Thanks, thank you, Lord, for second opportunities. Right? God says, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Now, I want to share something with you real quick before I get into the next set of notes for your note card. And that is that English is not my first language. So some of you might be surprised by that, even though I was born in the United States. Um, English is not my first language. Um, and Pig Latin is not either. Um, <coughs> English is actually my second language. I don't have a first language. Um, I'm working on that, though. <laughs> Hopefully one day we'll get that up to speed. Huh? Now, <clears throat> with English, I'm not having a first one. English is my second one. That means that Greek would be down there around three or four for me, or maybe five. Now that I've been in Mexico, um, I, I helped uh, create a bigger dictionary for the Mexican people down there, and all of them said thank you because they're welcome. And those who went on the trip, they can tell you about that. All right. The word greed, the word greed is, I'm going to say harpage or harpage, and I know that's wrong, um, but we'll just go with it. Just nod and act like I'm doing great, which is the best, which is best translated plundering or robbery. The second word is wickedness, and it's paneria which is best translated malice or evil purposes. Jesus is accusing these Pharisees of having robbery and ill will towards others in their hearts. And he goes on. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? And now he's telling the Pharisees how to get rid of the inner motivation of robbery. He says, so clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you'll be clean all over. And that brings us to our big idea. Big idea number one is the best strategy for overcoming selfishness is giving. Because it gets your eyes off of you and onto somebody else. We all have problems. I know I have, I have issues. Just ask people who know me. I have all sorts of issues. And it would be easy for me to just focus on myself and my issues. But when I focus on other people and work with other people, God clears out those issues in my life. Um, praise the Lord. Verse 42, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Why isn't there justice in the world? That's the first question. The answer would be because the world is selfish. The second one would be, why don't people love God more? I know for, my, for myself, it's because I'm selfish. I look at myself and all these issues that I have instead of looking to God. What's the best strategy for coming, overcoming selfishness? It's giving. If I give of my time to God in prayer and in worship, you know, I can overcome that. If I give to other people, again, it takes the eyes off of me and puts it on other people. Now let's pay attention to what Jesus says. And if you're, if you're taking notes, you should tithe. Yes. Read that with me. 
Come on, everybody, read it with me. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What are more important things than justice and loving God? There's, that's, that's as big as it gets. But it doesn't mean that tithing is unimportant. It's important that we walk in obedience to God. Now, I want to do something. I brought these, these, these little videos that we uh, sometimes use in the children's ministry. And because I've been ministering to children for quite some time, um, it's good for you guys. Um, <laughs> and so here we go. The first, the first question is a little Q&A. The first question is, what does Jesus say about tithing? Should you tithe? Yes. Is tithing a New Testament principle? Should you tithe? Yes. How about that, huh? Aren't Christians called to freedom? Should you tithe? Huh? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> All right. What is the minimum I should give? Should I tithe? Yeah. And I'll get into that, some more of that here in a minute. Jesus knows my finances are really tight right now, doesn't he? I mean, you know, doesn't he understand? Should I still tithe? Absolutely. I won't be able to pay my bills if I give that much money away, will I? The question is, should I tithe? Absolutely. Now, listen, tithing is a faith thing. You don't always have what you need. You don't always have enough, but God provides, and God makes it enough. Tithing is a faith thing for all of us. It's difficult to take the first step of 10%, and, and I get that, and I understand that. My wife and I have been there in the past, okay? But we stepped out in faith, and God met our needs. And I know that each and every one of you, if you step out, you will do it. And, and I want to, as we go forward, you'll find out why it's so important that we do that. I want to jump into Malachi chapter 3. So again, if you've got your Bibles, jump over to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8 and go through verse 12. And we're going to be reading out of the, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living. And so here we go. Verse 8. Should people cheat God? That's the question that was asked. God says, yeah. And, and the answer is obviously no. And God says, yet you've cheated me. And in your notes, the next thing is this. The word cheated is best, better translated robbed. Isn't it interesting that Jesus used the same word in Mal that, that was used in Malachi? He used the same word of robbed. And then people asked this insulting question. We've been talking this whole series about these insulting questions that people have been asking. They say this. God, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Or they could have said, how did we ever rob you? And here's what God's answer is to that insulting question. You cheated me or robbed me in the tithes and the offerings that were due to me. Now look at what, and I know this is a heavy message, and every pastor just loves to preach this message. Um, but I do. And the reason I do is because this is a freeing message, and you'll find out as we go on further. Verse 9, you're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Not just you, but the whole nation. And if you're taking notes, the bad news is this. When we're disobedient, we place ourselves under a curse. 
Does anybody in this place want to be under a curse? No. Sorry. That was a little cheesy, huh? <laughs> Look, I want to be, I want to be kind of, I want, I want to bring a little clarity to this. When we're disobedient in this area of our lives, God does not bring a curse on your life. I want to be clear about that. God does not. There are um, consequences in this world for things that we do. We tell our children all the time, don't steal. Why? They'll end up in jail. They'll be thieves. We tell all the time, don't do drugs. Why? Because it numbs their minds. Right? And they won't become all that God's called them to be. They may even end up in a worse case and, and, and be dead. We do it. We tell our children this because we want our children to be blessed. We want our children to live good lives. And we don't want them to be in harm. We try to tell them. But oftentimes, they don't listen. Like when I was a kid, I didn't listen. And I had to find out for myself. Right? This is the thing. The promises of God are so amazing and so huge. In verse 10, he says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse if there'll be food in my temple. Enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's army, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't uh, have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. The big idea number two is this. The strategy for removing the curse of disobedience is obedience. And I know I added a little onto there. But for your notes, the strategy for removing the curse is obedience. God wants you to be blessed. God wants the best for his children. And God tells us to tithe because when we tithe, we give to God. And it opens the door for God to give back to us in a greater measure. Now, it also said in the scripture there that when you're blessed, when people see that you're blessed, they know that God's hand is upon you. And they're in awe over that. So if you don't want, if you don't want to be blessed for yourself, be blessed for other people. Give so that God can pour back into your life so that other people will see that, will be amazed by God's power, and they'll come to you and ask you why you're so blessed and you can share the gospel. How about that for a twist on it? Do you feel like you never have enough? you feel like you're drowning? Do you feel like God has forgotten what you need? Do you feel like you're living under a curse? I'm here to tell you this morning, the remedy for that is tithing. If you're struggling in this area in your life, perhaps the consequences of not being obedient to God is your struggles. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be in abundance. God wants you to be blessed. The remedy is tithing. God says he'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have room for it all. And then if you're taking notes, God invites us to put him to the test. And this is the craziest thing. Someone came to me after first service and says, but God said that you're not supposed to test the Lord thy God. That's right, unless God says to test him. Right? That overrides it. This is the only place I know of in Scripture, and I, and I know it for a fact. This is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. 
So do you want, I mean, you know, in my mind, if God says test him and it's the only place to do it, it's probably a pretty good idea to throw it out there, huh? God says that even strangers will recognize that you've been blessed by God instead of cursed. Wow. Powerful. I, you know, God's word says a lot of things. And, and, you know, we read all these things and we see all these things that took place back then. But sometimes it's good. It's good for us to hear a testimony of somebody who has lived this and has walked in this and seen God's blessing on their life because they were willing to step out and test God. So I want to ask uh, Miss Tina to come up here. And she is going to share with you uh, an experience that she has had with this in the past. So, Miss Tina, come on up, everybody. Say hi, Miss Tina. Hi, Miss Tina. <laughs> Hello. 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 You guys are so intimidating. It's strange to be up on a stage. It's <clears throat> um, in first service. Pastor Bruce, uh, when he prayed, he, he said, uh, Lord, I just invite you to show us uh, what our future and our hope, and our hope is in you. So, um, shaking. It's, it's just the captain. Uh, <laughs> how many of you have a life verse? Um, 
I'm a single mom. I'm putting my kids through uh, a Christian school, so that's tiring. And, um, but I was so convicted, and so I determined that, and I didn't have the resources. I didn't. I was, it was just me. I was, you know, I just bought a house. You know, the resources were tight. But I knew that God was calling me to do what was in the scriptures and, and what he, what Pastor Russ was teaching. So I determined that in three months I was going to be where God wanted me to be. And I had no idea how I was going to do it. It was just, it was impossible. But I just said, I'm going to do this. And um, by that time, I had been into my career for about three years. And I, uh, I worked with very difficult people. And the first was a woman who hated me with uh, the passion of a thousand fiery sons. She was a horrible bully. And it was so difficult. Every day was struggle. And the other woman that I worked with, I worked in a small office. And the other woman had a horrible attitude. And it was just a struggle every day. And I prayed to God to send me away because I just didn't know how much I could take. So it was at this time, it was just everything was colliding. And uh, probably within six weeks of, of me making that promise to God that I was going to be where he wanted me to be, um, the bad attitude got fired. And I would have never ever predicted that. And then six weeks after she got fired, the bully resigned her position and left. And it was just unbelievable. I would have never ever preached my whole life. And I was uh, I was immediately promoted into a position of authority and supervision and everything changed. And it wasn't anything with my finances that changed, but my life changed. And it was just so amazing. And um I just encourage you, if you feel like God is telling you to be where you need to be, make that step to test him, because he will not fail. And I know this, I, I stand before you now, and um, I, I guess what I didn't say in the first service was that um, this year I have received two bonuses and yes. three raises. <laughs> so these are things that just don't happen. And I just, you know, I, I every every month I get paid once a month. Uh, every month I sit and I look and it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. But every single month the bills are paid and my store has to so. Amen. Thank you. And I know that there are so many more of you in here who have testimonies um, that are amazing in this area. Um, but maybe you're someone who's like Tina. And you're, when she was struggling, maybe you're struggling now in those areas. God's saying there can be freedom for you. There can be freedom. And so God's asking you to take the step. Take the step. Take the leap of faith. And do this thing and, and test God in that. Is that cool? All right. Um, I need to get 
you know what, I'm not. I'm going to do this. If there's anybody in this place, and I always take the opportunity to do this, if there's anybody in this place who's never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you wave at me? Wave at me. I know some people bow heads and stuff. I don't. You either want it or you don't. I know that's hard. But is there anybody in this place? And that's cool if everybody's good. I'm down with it. All right.